This is a podcast from RNIB's Insight Radio. The brand new copy of Take a Break magazine is out and it's fabulous and we're starting off with our first story which is Double Decker Homewrecker. Yes, I love this story and the headline is one of the best we've had in ages in my opinion. So this is from a lady called Caroline Spedding. Um, And it all started one day when she was flicking through the newspaper and she said to her boyfriend, Jared, how do you fancy being a bus driver? I don't think so, he replied. Why not? She said, you love driving and chatting to people. You'll be great. Um, He wasn't very happy about it, but she jotted down the details and sent in an application on his behalf. Then days later, he came in and said, I've got the job. Caroline was thrilled. Um, They went into town to celebrate and she steered him towards the jewellery shop. She pointed into the window and said, if we get married, I want this ring. Then on Christmas Day, Jared handed her a huge box. Inside it was a little box, and inside that one was an even smaller one. She kept opening boxes until finally she saw a little tiny box with the ruby ring inside that she'd admired in the jewellers. Jared slipped it onto her finger and said, we fit together perfectly, don't we? Eight months later, they said their vows in front of their two children at a ceremony in Gretna Green. But soon after, Caroline said that married life wasn't the bed of roses she'd hoped for. Money was tight, so Jared took on extra shifts at work and they hardly saw each other. Then when they they did have an evening together, he was just moody. They became really distant and she got worried, so one evening she said, Tell me the truth, is there someone else? Don't be daft, he said to her back. I'm just bored, I can't afford to go out anymore. I know, she said, but it's only until we get back onto our feet. But as the weeks passed, Jared became more and more withdrawn and she said, I can't take this anymore, it's like living with a stranger. I can't help it, he told her, I'm bored with my life, my head's in bits. Well, she said, if that's how you feel about me and the kids, you'd better leave. He packed a bag and went to stay with his best friend, leaving a note that read, I took a photo of the kids and a couple of bags of crisps. Caroline was hurt, but she thought he'd be back soon. But then a week later, she went on to Facebook and she saw Jared's profile put, pop up with a photo of him grim, grinning like a Cheshire cat. She'd not seen him that happy in ages, and then she realised that standing beside him in the picture was a much younger woman. Caroline didn't know her, but she had her hands all over Jared. Jared had tagged her so she could see that the woman's name was Michelle. She clicked on Michelle's profile and typed out a message saying, You do know that you're seeing a married man. He has two kids. Then she rang Jared. I've seen that picture of you, she said. It's ridiculous. She's she's years younger than you. I'm with her, Jared said, but I still love you. Caroline was furious and she said, that was the real reason you left, wasn't it? But Jared didn't answer, so she hung up. Weeks later, she began divorce proceedings, but she didn't want the children to be drawn into the bitter war, so she let Jared see them, and after after a while, she agreed that they could meet Michelle too. It's, she said that it stung when her daughter told her she's really nice. But it, and then in time, um, Caroline decided to have the children christened and in a bid to bury the hatchet, she invited Jared and Michelle. On the day, she met Michelle and she wanted to hate her, but when Jared left her on her run at the bar, she looked so young and lost that Caroline says her heart went out to her. So she went over and gave her a hug. It's nice to meet you, Caroline said. The children have told me how good you are to them. Michelle just smiled back and said, I adore them. They got chatting and Caroline found herself warming to her. She was funny and kind and she hoped that Jared would make a good go of things. But next time he dropped the kids off, 
Jared de delivered a bombshell. He said, You've still got it, Caroline. I want you back. No chance, she replied. The next thing she knew, she heard a rumour that Jared was seeing a woman named Charlene. So when he came round to Caroline's house again, she said, What the heck is going on? I've got a terrible dilemma, Jared said, sinking into the kitchen chair. He was seeing Michelle and Charlene, but he didn't know which one to choose. Who do you love? Caroline asked. Well, Michelle has a better body, he said, but Charlene has a better personality. Caroline just replied, you're unbelievable. Jared carried on dating both women and then eventually Caroline received a message from Michelle reading, it's over with Jared, I suspected he was seeing someone else. So Caroline replied, I'm so sorry I, knew, I know about Charlene. They got talking and Michelle told Caroline how she'd met Jared. I used to get on his bus every day, she said. I'm sorry, Caroline, but he told me your marriage was over. Caroline didn't blame her because Jared had lied to them both. And one day she opened a paper and did a double take. The headline read, Bus driver to marry one of his passengers after fancying her for almost six years. It was Jared announcing his engagement to Charlene. He told the newspaper if newspaper he'd first spotted her on the x43 route he said i wrote my phone number on her bus pass eventually five or six years on we met up on a night out and hit it off the rest is history caroline thought six flipping years they'd be they'd be married at that point and he was seeing michelle in secret and at the same time he was lusting after charlene so she rang Michelle and told her, and Michelle said, The X-43? But that's the bus I met him on. I thought it was so romantic. They shared their anger, and it made them realise that they were both lucky to be rid of him. Now Michelle and Caroline have moved on. Caroline's met someone else, and she said that she's never been happier. Caroline said to us in the last note, I don't know what the future holds for Jared and Charlene, but I'd like to offer her a bit of advice. Once a cheat, always a cheat. Oh, indeed. What a horrible story. I know. It's just awful. Does this guy look like George Clooney or something? <laughs> well, I'm looking at him now and I have to say not really, <laughs> which <laughs> makes it worse. But he, he gave a comment to take a break as well. And he said, the feelings in both relationships were well before my relationship with Charlene began. Charlene knows I was with Michelle at the time I was with her. It's all sorted now. We're happy now. But I'm still just so shocked by the whole thing. But the thing is, Kim, at least he had the decency to leave a note saying that he'd taken a couple of bags of crisps. Yeah, <laughs> that is my favourite part of the story. I've taken the crisps and I'm leaving. <laughs> oh, my goodness. I mean, you know, she is quite lucky in a way. I mean, some people would have walked out with, you know, the crystal or the, the silverware. But no, he only left with <laughs> yeah. the crisps. So, uh, do you Know something. Small mercies. <laughs> the girls are better off without me. He's a love yeah. rat, an absolute love rat. Yes. Anyway, true. let's move on to our next story. And uh, this is a wedding fit for a princess. Yes. Yeah, so this story, um, a completely different one. And every time it, I'll read it, it leaves me crying. So prepare yourself, Jill. But this is from a lady called Natalie Price. She'd been with her boyfriend Andy for three years and they'd talked about marriage, but they'd been too busy with their son Callum. But at their auntie's wedding, Andy, it had obviously brought out the romantic in Andy, and he said, I'm going to ask your dad if I can marry you. So he walked over to where their dad was sitting, and when Andy came back, he said, it's happening. Hang on, Natalie replied, I haven't said yes yet, but of course he already knew her answer. Natalie had a condition called fibrosing alveolitis, which meant that the air sacs in her lungs were thickening and she had trouble breathing. 
and he'd care for her when she were poorly and he never and he never let her get down. He always cheered up if she ever was sad. Soon afterwards, her wedding plans got on the back burner because Natalie found out she was pregnant again. Months after, their son Bradley was born, but then there was some bad news. He had the same condition as Natalie, and it meant neither of them would make it to old age. Time passed, and, the, and Natalie's health was going downhill. She'd had to stop taking her medication during her pregnancies, and it made the condition much worse. She was put on steroids, and she had to start wearing a tube in her nose attached to an oxygen canister. She'd always been a size 10, but now the steroids had made her bloat. One morning, she looked in the mirror and said to Andy, I'm not the woman you fell in love with. He wrapped his arms around her and said, Yes, you are, Natalie. You still look beautiful to me. You always will. By now, they never, no longer talked about the wedding because Natalie was too ill. Doctors told her that without a lung transplant, she could die. But the chance of that was dashed when she learned that she wasn't eligible because her BMI was too high. But I need the transplant, she begged. Please, I've got two little boys at home. They looked for alternatives online and she found that she could have the transplant in the USA but the operation would cost thousands. She went on Facebook and wrote, I just don't know what to do anymore. My health is deteriorating and I'm running out of options. Moments later, dozens of messages from friends poured in. Then she received a message from a woman called Lisa, the daughter of her mum's best friend. She said she wanted to help fundraise and that she'd signed up to a 10k run. Natalie was so moved. Then Lisa set up a GoFundMe page so people could donate. They were filled with hope again until Natalie received some devastating news. Her BMI was also too high to have the transplant in America. And meanwhile, she was going downhill every day. She couldn't get out of bed and Andy said, I'm going to give up work to look after you. Are you sure, she said, but he insisted. They didn't know how they'd financially cope with it, but Natalie was just relieved to have someone there for her. She was in and out of hospital and she had all kinds of uh, tests and x-rays. Then one day, the doctor called her into the office with her latest results. I'm afraid we have bad news, he said. Scans show your lungs are so badly damaged that we predict you'll only live for another six weeks. Six weeks, Andy said. He sounded as if the wind had been knocked out of him. But Natalie couldn't speak. Just one thought entered her head. My boys. Callum was 11 and Bradley was 8. They were far too young to be losing their mum. In the car on the way home, Andy and Natalie sat in stunned silence. Then he turned to her and said, We need to get married before it's too late. I know, she said, but how are we going to afford it? When we told our close friends and family the news, they agreed that the money we'd raised on the GoFundMe page should help fund our wedding instead. Natalie wanted a big day so she could say goodbye to everyone she cared about. And, but she knew that hosting that many guests didn't come cheap. We still don't have enough, she told Andy. But he said, don't worry, we don't need a fancy bash. Then one afternoon, she got a call from the manager at the South Crest Manor Hotel in Redditch. And she said, they'd like to offer you a free wedding for 100 guests. Natalie said, thank you so much. She put the phone down and said to Andy, something wonderful has happened. As the news spread, other suppliers offered everything, from flowers to wedding cars, and Andy said, it looks like you'll get your fairy tale day after all. It meant that the money raised could be used for something else. So Natalie said to Andy, I want you to take the boys to Disney World to make them smile when I'm gone. And he said, I promise. A few days later, she sat down her boys and fought back tears as she, as she explained that she was dying. But she said, I'll always be looking over you, so don't be sad. Three weeks, wait, 
Three weeks later, their wedding day arrived. Natalie could barely breathe, and she, but she wasn't going to let anything spoil a big day. As her friends helped her put on a white dress and pearl tiara, she said she felt like a princess, and even the oxygen tube in her nose didn't bother her. When she arrived at the hotel, her dad saw her and said, You look beautiful. Your mum, her mum who'd passed away a year earlier, would have been proud. Callum and Bradley were the ring bearers and looked so grown up in their little suits. Natalie's heart was pounding as the procession music began, but then she looked at Andy waiting and she said she felt brave again. Her dad pushed her in a wheelchair halfway down the aisle, then took her arm and helped her walk the rest of the way. She leaned forward to kiss Andy and all the guests cheered and Natalie said she felt her heart somersault with happiness. Afterwards, Andy took her home and put his arms around her. He said, I just wish I could have my wife for longer than a few weeks, but that was one wish nobody could grant. Natalie said that she's so grateful for everyone who made her dreams come true. She said, I don't want to leave my boys, but I feel at peace knowing that I got to marry my soulmate. I'll know he'll be the best possible dad to our boys. And sadly, since speaking to take a break, Natalie has passed away. So we're telling her story in accordance with her family's wishes. And Andy has fulfilled Natalie's dream by taking the boys on a Disney cruise. Oh, do you know something? What an incredibly sad ending. I know. Incredibly sad story, it really is. But you know, all those people that must have really loved her to to have helped her put together uh, the the wedding of her dreams. And you know, I know how I felt on my wedding day and just how special that occasion was. So she must have just felt like, uh, you know, knowing that these people had done all that for her, she must have felt so loved. Yeah, yeah, I imagine. And it just shows as well, even when you're going through something so tough, people come forward and it can make the world of difference. She she said to us that she'll never be able to thank them enough for bringing her that, that last day with all the people that she really cared about. Oh, well... Kim, thank you so much for sharing that story with us. It's, it's you know, it's such a, a kind of bittersweet story, isn't it? It really yeah. is. It really yeah. is. But um, it's what Take a Break magazine is all about, bringing real-life stories uh, to the listeners, to the general public. And, you know, it just goes to show that, that no matter how bad your day is, some, you know, somewhere somewhere else, there's, there's somebody going through so much worse than you. So... Um, you know, I, I love these real life stories. I really, really do. Yeah. It makes you evaluate, doesn't it? Yes, it does. It does. And when you work in an office, like take a break as well, when you're doing these things all day, um, it really does make you appreciate your life when you're reading stories like this. I'm sure it does. You you guys must go through some amount of tissues, honestly. Oh, every day is an emotional <laughs> roller coaster. <laughs> well, listen, it's oh. been so good to speak to you, Kim. It really has. Thank you very, very much for joining us. And obviously, if anybody wants to get the current issue of Take a Break, it is out now. Or you can, of course, take a look online. It's a fully accessible website. Have you got the web address? Yes, it's www.takeabreak.co.uk. Kim Gregory from Take a Break magazine. Thank you for joining us here on Insight Radio. Thanks for having me again, Jill. Thanks for listening to this podcast from RNIB's Insight Radio. For more podcasts, check out insightradio.co.uk.